Oh, hallelujah. The Lord has been so gracious to us. Done so many things. How many know just you standing here, just me standing here today, you're talking about many prayers that have been answered. Is that right? You're talking about God has met our needs and healed us and sustained us, led us and protected us. Is that right? Or we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be here. But how many believe the one that got us this far is going to take us all the way? He's going to take us all the way. Somebody say, I'm going all the way. All, All the way. Run our race. Finish our course. With joy. Hallelujah. We're going we're gonna to make it all the way to the end. Reach out and hit the finish line. And see Jesus on the other side. So be it. So be it. Well, let's come into agreement about the utterance this morning. You know, uh, it's not in man what we need, but it's in God. And he can manifest it through men and women and and to us, and he can say things through us, but he can also say things to you that we didn't say, just directly, right? So let's, let's release our faith. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're asking you for utterance, asking you for the anointing, asking you for the manifestations of your spirit, asking for eyes that see and ears that hear and a heart and a mind that discerns, perceives, understands, Grant, Lord, a supply of the Spirit and answers to questions and direction for right now. And we'll give you the glory and praise and we'll give you the thanks for every good thing that you do for us. We'll tell everybody, you did it. And we give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. You can be seated. If you brought your Bibles with you this morning, and I see you did, then uh, go again to Scripture we looked at last night, 2 Timothy, the second chapter. 2 Timothy, the second chapter. We have materials, uh, again, Um, after the service you can access that we brought from the ministry and uh, again they'll be available to you at no charge if you would just receive like one per uh, couple or or person or that way uh, the ones that are here will go further now if you want more uh, you can contact the ministry the easiest thing to do is go online and you can download it. We, we just finished a series at the church called Fighting the Good Fight of Faith. And boy, we got excited about it. And, and that's available to you. If you want to get it, just go online, download it. I think it's like 18 messages. We, we camped on that for a while. And uh, uh, another one we just finished called Sustained. How that if you'll, if you'll cast your cares on the Lord, He'll get you through anything. He'll sustain you through everything. So uh, and we just finished our uh, uh, one of our yearly meetings at Branson called Week of Increase. And um, the Lord helped us to see the title of it was Unlimited. Amen. Taking the limits off of uh, God in your life. And some, some very interesting things that the Lord showed us about that. 
I, when he dealt with me about that title, I didn't know that that's where we were going. But one of the big, big things that he showed us was that envy is limiting God in people's lives, yeah. right and left. And uh, if the Lord does something for you, brother or sister, if you can't be genuinely happy about that, yeah. then you don't qualify for the same kind of thing in your life. And you have to overcome this evil thing called envy. Hmm? Uh, how many know it's a, I mean, if, if your brother's got something good going on in their life, why can't you be happy about that, right? Why, why shouldn't you be excited and, and celebrate that? And you know, uh, that doesn't mean that you, you can't have one too, Right? You can, you know, maybe maybe it's exactly what you wanted. And you've been believing for it for a couple of years. And they just started last week. And they already got theirs. And that don't seem fair to you, but you need to get all that off your mind. Just be happy for them. And believe that yours is coming. They make new ones every day, and the new ones are improved. Is that right? So the time you get yours, you have the new model. Is that <laughs> So be happy for your brother. Be happy for your sister. Is that right? Maybe you've been believing for a spouse for a long time. Huh? You've been praying a lot longer than they have. And lo and behold, they got just the one that you thought you'd, you'd like to have. Now, do you want to limit God in your life? Or do you want to qualify for at least that good or better in your life? Well, then you've got to be happy for them. Genuinely. Genuinely. Happy for them. After we'd been on that for two or three days, one of the minister's wives, we, we had a meal afterwards, and, and she was saying to me, she said, uh, uh, I know that's right. I know that's right. She said, but uh, I've been saying like the, the man that told Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief. <laughs> she said, I've been saying, I'm happy, help my unhappiness. <laughs> I'm glad for him, <laughs> help my ungladness. <laughs> and how many know if you got a willing heart, the Lord's got something to work with. He can get you the rest of the way that you need to get. So at least be willing to be happy about it. 2 Timothy 2, are you there? Last night we got into this in 2 Timothy, the second chapter, about verse 24 or so. 2 Timothy 2 and 24 says, The servant of the Lord must not strive. Don't, don't be pulled into arguing and fussing and fighting. No good comes out of it. But be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. You know, um, uh, a lot of times people misquote scriptures, and one that goes along with this, uh, in Philippians it talks about uh, Philippians 4, uh, 5, 
Let your moderation be known to all men. Anybody remember that? Let your moderation be known to all men. And uh, you see, a lot of times people misquote that and say, well, the Bible says moderation in all things. I don't know where the Bible says that. Hmm? Uh, moderation in everything. You know, the Bible teaches moderation in everything. Actually, it teaches excess in good things. <laughs> How many want to be moderately healed? Moderately free. Huh? Moderately joyful. Moderately peaceful. No, no. He's the God who will bless you exceeding abundantly above. That, that's, that's excessive. Yes. Jesus, the Bible said, John 10, 10, he came that you might have life and have it to the full and have it till it overflows. That's not moderately blessed. Now, granted, you need to, you need to practice uh, some self-control and discipline where your flesh is concerned. But actually, this verse, if you look at other translations, uh, one says, let your sweet reasonableness be known Amen. to all men. And that really uh, gives, gives us a better idea in modern vernacular. He's not talking about uh, moderation per se. He's talking about being easy to get along with. <laughs> that's that's different, different things, Right? He's talking about the uh, same thing we're reading here in, in 2 Timothy, same thing you read about in James. Um, the wisdom that's from above is easy to be entreated, yes. easy to talk to. Hmm? Uh, don't be hard, don't be harsh, don't be hard to talk to. Hmm? I, I've seen people just, just real hard and just real... You know, uh, preachers included. You know, well, it's just my job to tell them the truth. I just tell it like it is. I just, that's my job. Wrong. It's my, just my job to tell them the truth. You're leaving out something. Speaking the truth in love, people grow up in Him. It matters a lot how you say things. Doesn't it? How you come across. The proverb says the sweetness of the lips increases learning. A lot of times if you'd have just said it a little less volume and a little kinder tone, they'd have at least thought about it instead of just shutting you down. <laughs> hmm? And maybe, you, maybe you'll get all worked up and you feel a certain way, but you don't have to act like you feel. You can get a hold of yourself. Can't you? You can get a hold of yourself and dial it back, calm yourself down, and be kind. Let your sweet reasonableness be known to all men. We ought to be known as nice people. Right? People ought to think, I'll tell you what, boy, that bunch over there, that's the nicest group of people you'll ever want to be around. So nice, so kind. Do you believe that's godly? I've seen people be, you know, ministers, be harsh and hard 
and say, well, and people get, you know, get upset and get hurt and get offended. And people say, well, I'm sorry, that's, that's just my prophetic anointing. I just, I just lay it down like it. Yeah. Uh, Jesus said, come learn of me. Of all the things he could have said, learn about me. What did he say? I am meek, humble, hallelujah, and lowly of heart. And you'll find rest unto your soul. All this putting on a facade, all this pushing and being hard will wear you out. And if you'll just cast your cares over on the Lord... And be honest and be real and be humble and be kind. Life will immediately get easier and better for you. Hallelujah. You believe it, friends? Well, he said, the servant of the Lord must not strive. No striving. But what? How do you operate? Gentle. Somebody say gentle. Gentle. Kind. Uh, the, the scripture specifically tells husbands to not be harsh with their wives. Do you know that? Harsh. And tells uh, parents and fathers not to be hard uh, with their children and, and to discourage them. Is that right? So uh, a little bit of kindness goes a long way. He went on to say, this, uh, be apt to teach patient in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. And we saw that even, even if you, you really mess up, even if you really you sin, you do some things that are just... You really shouldn't have done, mess up terribly. There is a way out. Huh? There's a way out of, of the captivity that somebody can get in. Can you oppose your own self and be your own enemy and, and mess up your own life? And between you and the devil, just ruin your life. But no matter how bad it has gotten or how low you've gotten, there's a way out. And it's repentance. And true repentance involves acknowledging the truth. God is right. What I did was wrong. Hmm? And not making excuses. Now we got into that some last night, didn't we? We looked in Genesis and we saw the first man and the first woman that sinned. And immediately what were they tempted to do and what did they yield to the temptation to do? Blaming each other. Is that right? God asked Adam, what, what have you done? Did you eat of the tree I told you not to? And he said, well, God, that woman that you gave me. <laughs> he, he's, uh, and we're told why he did it. It's because he was afraid. And he was naked. And he was trying to hide himself. He's afraid He's exposed, his sin is exposed, his situation is exposed, and he's trying to cover it up. He's trying to hide it. But how many know God already knows? Amen. 
You can't. It's too late to cover it up from God. Right? You can't cover it up from Him. So what's the thing to do? Don't run from Him. Don't lie. Don't try to hide it. Run to Him. And be absolutely, completely honest. Hmm? I did it. No excuse. Why'd you do that? Dumb. (laughs) Just yielded to my flesh. Right? I knew better. Hmm? No excuses. Somebody say no excuses. No excuse. If you want to get help, you've got to get real with God and get open. And if you'll do that and humble yourself, he gives grace to the humble. And with enough grace, you can come through anything. With enough of God, God's grace includes his help, his strength, his wisdom, his favor, giving you favor with other people. How many believe with enough grace, you can come out of anything? With enough grace, you can come through anything. You can overcome, you can receive anything with enough grace. But now you harden your heart and you play like you didn't know and and you try to trick people and and even try to lie to God. Not only are you not going to get grace, you're going to get resisted. And getting resisted and no grace, you're not coming out. You're going to stay in that place. But if you'll acknowledge the truth and repentance, you can recover yourself out of the snare of the enemy. Do you want to look at some more of this this morning? Go with me, please, to the Old Testament. And let's look at some more examples of that. We saw that in Genesis, but there's another couple examples I'd like for us to camp on. Exodus, the 32nd chapter. Exodus, chapter 32. We're believing the Lord, and He's talking to us. And he's not just talking to us. His commands are enablings. When he says something to you, it's not just knowledge. It's not just a pep talk. With his words come the power to do what he's telling you to do. Hmm? If you couldn't do it before he told you, after he told you, you can. Because with the command came the enabling came the power. You know when Jesus came walking on the water and the disciples were in the boat scared and upset because they thought they're seeing a ghost and and, and Jesus said it's me. It's me. Don't be afraid. And Peter said, Lord if that's you tell me to come out there. (laughs) He thought I want to try this. And what what if you just stop right here, can Peter walk on the water now? No. All he's done is ask a question. If that's you, bid me to come. Would you, would you tell me to come? At this point, he can't do it. Faith comes how? Comes by hearing. Hearing by the word. But when Jesus said, come, can he do it now? Yes, he can. Because there's power in that word, come, to enable you to come. Right? The Lord tells you to do it. You can do it. Maybe you couldn't do it before he told you to do it. But once he's told you to do it, now you can do it. Somebody said out loud, the Lord tells me to do it. I can do it. 
I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If he tells you to do it, one of, the, one of the dumbest things you ever said to God if he tells you to do something is, I can't. I can't. He just told you to do it. The power's there to do it. Why? Because he told you to do it. That's like him saying, light be, and light saying, I can't. <laughs> no. Nope. In Exodus, did you find it? Exodus 32. Moses has gone up on the mount where he's receiving the commandments and the uh, engraved with the finger of God in the stone tablets. But he's been gone for weeks. Now, you know, previously to this, the Lord had spoken out of the fire and given them the Ten Commandments. The first one was, you don't have any other gods before me. And you don't make any images of any, anything. And, and, and right down through the, the Ten Commandments. And they all said, oh, whatever the Lord says to us, we will do it. Please, don't let us hear that awful voice again. Uh, Moses, you go talk to him. You go, we'll just stay here. And so, he did. But when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together under Aaron, and they said to him, Up, make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not, we don't know what has become of him. Now, now learn how the enemy works. He's the tempter. And temptation is manifested in different kinds of pressure. Somebody say pressure. pressure. Have you ever felt pressure? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's not per se physical, but it's spiritual pressure. Amen. Now of all the things they could have come up with to do, what are they saying? Let's do. <laughs> make some other, make some gods. They're talking about having a different god from the god who they just heard speak out of the fire, and making an image of the god, as we'll see. Well, that's the first two things the Lord just told them, not a little over a month ago. Less than 40 days ago. Six weeks ago. They all stood up out there and said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. And He says, Don't have any other gods before me. They said, Oh, that's right. That's right. There no images. They went, That's right. That's right. That's right. Never. Six weeks later. And the thing they've come up with that needs to happen now is make us some gods. Where'd they get that idea? I said, where did they get that idea? The enemy. I said, the enemy. You know why? Because ever since Moses left, the enemy had been pushing on people. What you need is a God. <laughs> you need another God. 
You need another God. You need another God. You need another God. You need another God. Where, see, this is, this is not natural. That six weeks ago, you stand up and agree wholeheartedly, no other gods and no images. It's not natural that now the main thing you need is another God and an image. That's how the enemy is. I said that's how the enemy is. He's, he's persistent. And he'll bring thoughts and feelings to you. And he'll just, he'll just keep on. Go ahead. Do it. Go ahead. Just, just do it. You know you want to. Come on. Just, just, just do it. Just do it. Just go ahead. Submit. <laughs> just, just do it. Submit. Pressure. Thoughts. Feelings. Suggestions. Temptations. Pressure. Pressure. We need to identify where these things are coming from. Didn't the Bible say casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. One of the biggest things we need to know about the devil is that we are to resist him. We're to resist him. I heard a a fellow say this uh, decades ago. Stuck with me. He said uh, he was in a big, a large city and he went up on this new skyscraper they had just built. I forget how many stories high. It was the tallest building in the city. And they had this tiny little uh, balcony with a little handrail. He stepped out on there and he looked down. Man, cars and people looked like tiny little toys. And he said this thought crossed his mind. Why don't you just jump? Yeah. And he just said, you jump. I'm not. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I thought, yes. 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 See, he's aware. This is not me. This is something coming from the outside. Trying to influence me. This is not even my own heart. Certainly not the Holy Spirit telling me to jump. This is the enemy of my soul trying to put something in my head, some kind of feeling. A lot of people, a lot of Christians don't know any better than to grip the rail. And go, what? Where did that come from? Oh, that's a mistake. The enemy's right there. He'll say, you're suicidal. No. What are you thinking about jumping? No, yeah, you're. No. Well, what are you what are you thinking about right now? <laughs> what are you doing? You're wrestling with it. You're suicidal. No. Yeah, you're. I got a spirit of suicide. You got three. You're in a bad shape. And people people begin to meditate on the thing. Oh man, I'm I'm messed up. I got a problem. I got a problem. And they didn't have a thing wrong with them. Come on, are you listening? Until they started listening to these lies and believing these lies. But you can get in a terrible mess believing all of that. 
Come on, somebody say, resist the devil. Resist the devil. And what will happen? What will happen? He will flee from you. From you. From you. When you resist him. So no doubt he, he's been influencing this whole bunch for the past six weeks. And you hear how he works too. Listen to what goes hand in hand with this. Disrespect disrespect. You hear what they say about Moses? Did you read it? Up. They tell Aaron, up, make us gods. They're not asking him a question. They're telling him what to do. Hmm? Which will go up before us. As for this Moses, this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, they've forgotten that part, hadn't they? They said it, but it's not real to them. We don't, we don't know what's happened to him, man. I, who knows about that Moses? You know, he goes off and don't come back for a month or two, and we may never see him again. This is the man that has stood in the gap for them. Yes, sir. Is that right? Amen. Between them and judgment, between them and the, this is the man that's poured out his life, laid his life on the line repeatedly, repeatedly, coming in front of Pharaoh that's ready to kill him. Is that right? Uh, over and over and over again, a man that knows God, that hears God, and they, they speak so disparagingly and disrespectfully. This is a sign you're yielding to the devil. He's influencing your mind and your thinking and perception. Because godly people show respect to the things of God. The Word of God. The Spirit of God. The people of God. Didn't he say, them that honor me, I will honor. And you honor him by honoring his people and honoring his things. So anyway, what does Aaron do? He said, well, break off your earrings. <laughs> Where did he get that idea? Your golden earrings, which are in the ears of your wives and your sons and your daughters, and bring them to me. All the people broke off the golden earrings, which were in their ears, and brought them to Aaron. And he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool. Now, remember that part. He fashioned, somebody say he fashioned it with a graving tool. With a graving tool. After he had made it a molten calf and said, These be your gods, O Israel, which brought you up out of the land of Egypt. You know why the devil pushed them so hard on this? He knew this would anger God. The devil knew. He's trying to get this bunch wiped off the map. <laughs> That's how he works. He knew. Come on, think about it. Six weeks ago, God does what has never been done in the history of the earth. He himself comes down in fire on the mountain and speaks out in an audible voice. Hallelujah. Never happened before. Hallelujah. And the first two things he says, you don't have any other gods. You don't make any images. So naturally, before two months are over, we've got a new God and a new image. <laughs> and uh, 
said, these are your gods, Israel, that brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Total lie. I said, a total lie. When Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. Abomination. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. To who? Confusion is rampant. And they got up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. That means it was a drunken mess. (laughs) And the Lord said to Moses, now Moses is up in the mount in the glory. And the Lord says, go. Get down, get you down, for the people that you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. <laughs> Ooh, you know it's bad when God's not even claiming them anymore. He said, that bunch that you brought out. Woo! <laughs> they have turned aside quickly. Out of the way which I've commanded them. Yeah, less than two months. They have made them a molten calf and worshipped it. And have sacrificed unto it. And they've said, these be your gods, O Israel, which have brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I've seen this people. Behold, it's a stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may wax hot against them, and I may consume them, and I'll make of you a great nation. Jesus. I'll start over with you. That's right. Now, you know, this is something that I learned recently. I'm going to say recently, I mean the last five years, that I didn't see beforehand. Uh, there was a major thing in our ministry, I won't go into detail But uh, we felt like we had direction to do something with a certain group of people. And uh, uh, it it was the Lord. You could tell it was the Lord. It was book of Acts type things that happened. We didn't know them. They didn't know us. We wound up at the right place at the right time supernaturally. and, And everybody rejoiced and said, this is God. This is God. And we were ready to follow through. But people got involved and got to thinking about money. Want to know who's going to be in charge and who's going to have oversight over the money and this and that. And, and, and there was some financial things involved. We were willing to make big investment to help cause it. It's a work of God to cause it to go. But uh, somebody wanted more, wanted more, wanted more. We thought, well, no, the Lord didn't say anything about more. And it went on for months and months. And finally the Lord dealt with us. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. And a few months after that. A completely different group of people. Another area. The Lord dealt with us. Go that way. And do. And I thought. Whoa. Now hold on Lord. Did I miss you? You don't change. If this was you. How come now this is you? Come on. And this is what he said to me. This is what, why I'm bringing this up right now. He said, I can do things more than one way. Huh. And this is the scripture he quoted to me. He said, I told Moses, 
What wasn't this people that he brought out of Egypt? Weren't they his choice? His people? Was it his plan to do this with them? And yet what is he telling Moses? I'll I'll do away with them and I'll use you. I'll bring a people out of you. Is he saying I can do it another way with another group and another area? I'm convinced that there are going to be people that stand before the Lord in time to come. And they'll say, Lord, you you never gave us a a church like that in our area. You never gave us a ministry like that in our area, so we didn't know. And he'll say, no, I sent it to you, and you rejected it. I sent it to you. It was available to you. And so somebody else wound up with it. I don't want anybody else to get my blessing or my reward. How about you? But you need to understand, you nor I are irreplaceable. Now, God uses people, but the individuals don't have to obey him. Even though you're a a key person in part of the plan of God, you do have a free will, and you don't have to obey him. You can procrastinate. You can drag your feet. You can put it off. You can never do it. But that doesn't mean the plan of God's not going to get done. He'll use somebody else. He said, I can do things more than one way. I can do it a different way. Remember, he was telling them if these held their peace, the rocks would cry out. But there's going to be some praising here today. Is that right? One way or the other, whether you're involved or not, it's another thing. But there's going to be some praising here today. How many make up your mind? Nobody's going to get my place. Nobody's going to appreciate it more than me. Nobody's going to be more willing than me. Nobody's going to be more faithful than me. It's a privilege to have any part in the work of God. It is a privilege. There are so many things going on on this planet right now that nobody will remember or care about in, a, in three years, a hundred years, a thousand years, nobody will know or care. But if you had the smallest part of something that pertains to the kingdom of God, it is eternal and will be remembered forever. And the reward lasts forever. Somebody say, thank you, Lord, for using me. Thank you, Lord, for letting me have a part. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. But don't don't get to thinking, you know, we have to have you. No. <laughs> and you're the only one that can do it. There's a lot of people on the planet. Hmm? <laughs> and if you go, you know, if it goes long enough, the Lord will have to use somebody else. But by the grace of God, we're not going to do that, right? Amen. He said, I'll, I'll make of you a great nation. And Moses besought the Lord. And he pled the case with them and for them. But I want to skip down to uh, uh, verse about verse 19. 
It came to pass as soon as he came near to the camp when he saw the calf and the dancing. Moses' anger waxed hot. And he cast the tables out of his hands and broke them beneath the mount. I, bre- I believe this is a, a, a representation of how the Lord felt about it. He's angry and they've broken the covenant. And he took the calf which they made and burned it in the fire and ground it to powder and strawed it on the water and made the children of Israel drink of it. <laughs> He's mad. He said, you want a calf? You want a calf? Here. <laughs> You're going to drink this calf. You're going to eat this calf. He literally made them eat it. And Moses said to Aaron, what did this people do to you that you have brought so great a sin on them? What did they do to you? They tortured, tortured you? They put you on the rack? What did they do to you, boy? <laughs> and Aaron said, let not the anger of my Lord wax hot. You know the people. They are set on mischief. Do we, are we already seeing some of the same thing? What's it? These, Lord, Moses, you, you know how they are. You know how they are. They're set on mischief. And they said to me, make us gods which will go before us. As for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. And I said, well, okay, if you, if you have some gold... Break it off. So they gave it to me, and and, and I just threw it in the fire. (laughs) And out came this cat. (laughs) Say what? (laughs) And if you look it up in different translations, that's literally the emphasis is there. It just popped out. This calf just hocus pocus, abracadabra, kapow. And there was this golden calf statue. And of course, after that, what could you do but worship it? (laughs) Nothing else to do but, oh man. (laughs) I, I threw it in the fire. And there came out this calf. Is that true? No. Is he is he telling this right? No. We just we just got through reading a couple of verses ago. He took a graving engraving tool. Is that right? <laughs> he sculpted this thing. Is that with an engraving tool? He chiseled it out. Spent hours and hours on it, tweaking this calf. I just want to, to, to talk about this more about this temptation to change the story. Because in this case, we're going to see it further, because of the fear of man. Proverbs says the fear of man does what? It, it brings a snare. See, we saw that in, in, in 2 Timothy about a snare. 
about a trap. I'm going to make a phrase and then we'll, we'll come back over it again. If you're, led, if you're letting fear of people lead you, you are not being led by the Holy Spirit. And fear will lead you into destruction. Fear will lead you into death. Fear will lead you into greater and greater darkness. Now, most everybody in here has been led by fear before. Hmm? But you want to make up your mind no more, no more. Because being led by fear is the same as letting the enemy of your soul lead you to where he wants to take you. And that's destruction every time. Do you mind if I get in your business a little bit? Boy, that was weak. Let me try this other side of it. Come on, wait. If it was the Lord and it would help you, maybe. Beware of what's, watch out about what's leading you. What's leading you. Sometimes people will try to say, well, the Lord told me that uh, I'm supposed to keep my children in the house and they're not supposed to be a part of any of this and they're not supposed to be a part. Are you sure that's not fear leading you? Hmm? You're going to say the Lord told you to do it and then you got, I've seen it over and over again. You've got young men, young women, they're 16, 17, 18 years old and they can't even function in the real world. They've got no people skills. Huh? They think the whole world's supposed to revolve around them like it does at home with mom and daddy. And they don't have the tools and skills they need to function in either university or on the job force. Amen. And people think they were protecting them, but they were led by fear. Fear was leading them. Don't go here. Don't do this. Don't get involved with that. Just stay here. Just stay here. The Lord told me. Oh, did he tell you now? Or is it fear gripping you? There are people who won't, uh, they won't be a part of things. They won't join the teams at the church. They won't make themselves available because they're afraid of being embarrassed. They're afraid maybe their talent or skill is not where somebody else is. They're, a fear, they're afraid of, of rejection, if you might say it like that, of not being used. Amen. Amen. So then they make up things, well, I, I prayed about it and the Lord told me not to. <laughs> no, fear gripped you. And you're letting fear lead you. I know uh, uh, when we went to Rama first year, we came from a small, small, tiny little Pentecostal church. And my mom and dad sang and played, and I beat on the piano. <laughs> Don't know anything about music. Uh, just beat on the piano. But that's... That's what we knew. That's what we did. And, and people got blessed 
in spite of our inadequacy. <laughs> they did. You know, uh, the spirit of a person is more important than their doctrine. Nobody's perfect in doctrine. We only know in part. But if your heart's right, God will bless it as much as he can. Is there a, he'll use the, and and yet you got all kind of details wrong. Brother Hagin Sr., who's in heaven now, he used to tell of a man that came and preached he had no education and no under, very little understanding of the Bible. And some of it that he had was all wrong. <laughs> and he preached a fiery message one night about Paul and his wife Silas. <laughs> and their little boy Timothy. And how they were in the streets. And, and he was he's using it about Timothy crying. And how Timothy as a little boy was crying because his mama was upset. They were in the streets. And... <laughs> And said, he just, man, he just preached it up. And he said, seven grown men got up and came to the altar and got saved that night. <laughs> well, his doctrine wasn't, wasn't all there, but I reckon his heart was, was right. And the Lord blessed it and people got saved. the Lord, tell me what the Lord looks at all the time. He, he's looking at the heart. He's always looking at your heart and your spirit. Is your heart right? Is your spirit right about this? Hmm. And so when we got to Ramah, they kept saying, well, if you have any music ability, come and audition and, and at first I thought, no, I, no, I, they got plenty, they got good singers and players around here. I, they don't need me thumping around up there. And, and, and somebody got up at one, about halfway through the year and they said, now, you know, don't, uh, if the Lord's given you an ability to do anything, don't hide it, don't cover it up and, right. and, and be willing. And I thought, well, I don't want to not be willing if the Lord wants me to do something. I want to be willing. And that was right. Everybody say willing heart. Willing heart. So I went to the audition. And the guys there, man, they got like, you know, multiple degrees in music. And and they're checking me out. So they asked me, can you do this? No. Can you do this? No. Can you read this? No. Do you know how to do this? No. Do you know what this is? No. You know what? I mean... No to pretty much everything they asked. And then they said, well, uh, did, can, you, can you sing something for us? And so I did, and it was a train wreck. It was. <laughs> I, even though I hadn't always had the knowledge, the Lord gave me good ears. And I, and I could hear everywhere I was flat and sharp, and the tones were wrong, and I'm hitting the wrong keys. And they... they uh, they smiled kind of understandingly and said, thank you for your time. <laughs> and it was basically, don't call us, we'll, we'll call you. And I left and I felt so bad. I felt so bad. And it's fear of that that keeps many people from making their self available. Amen. 
People think, yeah, exactly, which is why I ain't never going to do it. Hey, hey, if the Lord would ask you to do something, can you discern the difference between the leading of the Spirit to do it or the fear of failure and, and rejection not doing it? Can you overcome your fear to follow the Lord? Well, months went by, and I did not bother them again about music. But I got involved in healing school and healing class and healing school and prayer school. And so I uh, uh, was able to work with Brother Hagin is teaching in the healing school in the afternoon. And with Patsy, it was Beerman, now Caminetti, and, and some of the different ones that were the... Uh, Rama Singers and Band. Was it Faith Creation back then? Is that what it was? And anyway, uh, they asked me to play and sing and help lead singing. And uh, I had already told them, if you need me for anything, yeah. I'm available. <laughs> and uh, so I'm... Uh, you know, and they said, okay, we'll, we'll come. And, and so I set up chairs and I lined them up and took them back down. I talked to people after the service and, and gave them forms to fill out and took them back in, filed them, and raised the blinds, and put the blinds down, <laughs> picked up stuff, you know. And I thought, well, I'm helping. And they came and said, well, you're doing good. Uh, we want you to help with the music. And I thought to myself, no, you don't. You just, <laughs> you just think you do, but... And, and, I, and I started to begin to explain to them why they didn't want me to do it. And the Spirit of God checked me. He checked me. He said, you better ask me. And I thought, well, I just assumed you knew, Lord, <laughs> that they don't need me to do that. Because, you know, this... this uh, uncomfortable experience I just had yeah. a few months back is still fresh on my mind. I, I don't want no more of that. <laughs> and uh, they said, no, we want you. Actually, I was back there by myself beating on the piano and somebody heard me and came by and said, where'd you, where'd you learn how to play like that? And I told them. They said, what is that? Is that like Blues gospel? What is, what is so I'm from Mississippi and, and and then the Pentecostal church. And so anyway, I said, no, that's just how we do it back home. And and they said, I didn't know it, but then they went and told somebody else and told somebody else. And they, they figured I, I can do it. And thank the Lord, I had the Lord had led me, after my uncomfortable experience, to take lessons. I thought, I need to improve myself. And so I, every day after school, I had been going, practicing, taking lessons, and learning chord progressions, and learning, and what I learned is everything I knew was wrong. <laughs> My fingers are in the wrong place. Everything is, is, is almost harder than starting from scratch. But anyway, I'd, I'd been, every day I'd been over there, and I didn't know that I was getting ready for this, but the, how many know that if you'll follow the Lord, he'll get you ready? Uh, ahead of time? So then they said, we want you to come and play. We want you to come and sing. So I did. And it was tough. Because I'd look out across the crowd. 
And there's people can really play out there. There's people that can really sing. But you know that's beside the point? I said, did you know that's beside the point? If the Lord would ask you to do it, come on, if the Lord would ask you to do it, are you willing to do it? Well, you're going to have to wade through and overcome insecurities and fears to be able to do it. So I did it. And I don't know how many wrong keys I hit, but I did it. And I did it. And I did it. And I got better. Come on, are you with me? I got better. And the Lord started giving me songs. Oh, hallelujah. Gave me songs. And the anointing would come. And people would get healed while I'd sing and play. Hallelujah. People would get delivered. I thought many times, what if you'd just shut down and say, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not, I don't care what they say. I'm, I'm not, I can't. You'd have missed all of that. Somebody say, the fear of man, the fear of man. brings a snare. You've got, to be, you've got to be willing to humble yourself hmm? and admit where you are. You say, Lord, you know what's here. If you want it, it's yours. Right? And you know what? He's, his big thing, he doesn't need ability. He needs availability. He can take somebody with nothing and add ability to you till you get to be one of the best around. That's not what he, he You know what's the, the, the challenging thing to find? Somebody with a right heart. That's the hard thing to find. That's the challenging thing to find. And if you got that, he can add to you any talent that, that you need. Any skill, any ability. But you got to overcome. You know, you got to watch about, a, you know, we believe in prosperity. We believe in having plenty, having nice things, but... You know, you are where you are, not where you'd like to be. And a lot of times people don't enjoy fellowship with each other because they're, they're putting on airs. They, they overcharge their credit cards and come wearing fancy stuff to church that they're paying 21% interest on and try to pretend they're at a place, leave the impression that they're at a place financially that they're not. And because of that, they don't want anybody coming back to their house. They don't want anybody seeing how they really live. And what that does is it robs people of fellowship. Well, like I said, I, I grew up in the deep south, and we weren't anywhere near rich. I think we were well below middle class. And uh, uh, my grand, we grew our own food and, and on, on our farms and stuff. And, and uh, my granddad used to say people would come up. Uh, I, I know you may know some of this, maybe not this generation, but the previous ones. Uh, uh, people would just show up at the house. Yep. And... Uh, and, and them and their, their friends and their six kids. And, and you had two bedrooms. And everybody spend the night. Everybody spend the night. I mean, you sleep like four or five to the bed. Pallets on the floor. You turn some this way and turn some that way. 
Anybody know what I'm talking about? And yet have a good time. Have a, have a great time. My granddad, he had these little sayings. He'd say, peas and pawn, eat it or leave it alone. <laughs> Folks would drive up and he'd say, well, such as it is, you're welcome to it. I mean, it's not the Ritz, but what we got, you're welcome to it. And if you can strip away the putting on airs, you can enjoy some good fellowship with people. Hallelujah. Yeah, it's okay to have a vision to come up and have better and go further, but you ought to be able to enjoy every step from here. Come on, is that right? Every step from here to there. Yes. Something the Lord ministered strong to us last week about prosperity. It seems like folks are in the ditch on one, one side or the other of the prosperity abundance teachings. Either some folks are just adamantly opposed to it. And it can't be God's will to have anything nice or expensive. Or people get out of that ditch and go all the way across the middle of the road in the ditch on the other side. And all they talk about is money. And stuff, and how expensive this is, and how big this is, and how big the other. And the Lord dealt with us. It's not the the thing that glorifies God. It, you know, it's not a car, it's not a house, it's not clothes, it's not money. It's the blessing of the Lord that glorifies the Lord. And just because you got some stuff. That doesn't mean God is glorified right. in an expensive thing. It's more important uh, not what you have, but how you got it. Right. How you got it is much more important than what you have. There's people got super expensive stuff and play big shot, but that don't mean God gave it to them. There's all kind of ways of getting stuff. You lie, steal, credit that you couldn't pay in three lifetimes. Come on, are you with me? That don't mean the Lord gave it to you. That's right. And the thing we ought to be interested in is not people seeing us and thinking we're a big deal, but seeing what the Lord did, come on, is that right, in our life, and seeing how good, somebody say good, how, how good He is. Well, you don't have to wait till you get to the big stuff for that to happen. Even if it was a smaller thing, if the Lord added it to you. Then it's the goodness of the Lord, and you can celebrate, and your brothers can celebrate with you, your sister. And when he does it, something for them, you can celebrate with them. That's right. I know when Phyllis and I showed up to go to Raymond, man, we didn't have anything materially. We had the gas in our tank, and believing for money for tuition, we didn't have the money to register yet. And we're new town, and both of us grew up in small areas, and so this is all new to us. And part of town we were in wasn't the best part of town. I, I called it shoot 'em up alley. I mean, there, there was a time or two we came out to go to church and, and you walk to the door and the blue lights are flashing and a guy on the bull, the policeman on the bullhorn says, get back inside. <laughs> like, okay, dear, we're going to have to go out the back tonight. And <laughs> they'd have the street blocked off. And, and uh, 
there was a gang lived in the building on one side. Their welcome to us was the uh, first night we were there, siphoned all the gas out of our vehicles. <laughs> that was like welcome to the neighborhood. But uh, the Lord sustained us and, and helped us. But the first evening we were there, feeling kind of isolated, you know, away from everybody you've ever known and everything, and the couple across the hall from us, they came out and they were believers. And they knew about Raymond, had, had some exposure to Raymond. They said, uh, uh, so y'all coming to go to Raymond? We said, yeah. They said, uh, you talk, we, both of us had little cracker box, tiny apartments, and they were uh, furnished. Uh, and they had been furnished long ago. <laughs> and, you know, you might have an aqua couch and a, and a blue this and a brown that. But we, we didn't have any furniture, so this, this was the way to go. And they said, uh, they said, oh, we got some pinto beans and cornbread. Would you like to eat with us tonight? Man, pinto beans and cornbread never sounded so good. In my life, we sat in that tiny little cracker box, you know, right up against each other. You didn't have to ask anybody to pass anything because you, you, you could reach everything. <laughs> but it blessed me. It blessed Phyllis. It blessed them. They prayed over us and, and we thanked them and blessed them and spoke over them. But see, if you're going to play big shot, you'll miss all that. I said, you'll miss all that. Because you, you can't stand for somebody to see that uh, you you having one of those Raymond noodles <laughs> for the fourth night this week. <laughs> but if you'll just humble yourself and get, how I many of you'll get real with God, you'll get blessed with God. You'll get used with him. Is that right? And, and just, you know, don't, don't put on airs. It doesn't mean you got to stay where you are. But if you don't start where you are, you will stay where you are. The Lord will meet us where we are, not where we're pretending to be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory. He can't, he can't be a partner of any kind of falsehood in life. He can't help you pretending. But if you're honest and humble, how, how many can see honesty and humility go hand in hand? They go hand in hand. You show me a humble person, I'll show you an honest person. Goes hand in hand. And all this fear about what people may think. I know in the first several years of, of ministry, there were several occasions that I, I felt so bad because all these other people seemed to be so far ahead of me. And doing so much better than me. And I'm thinking, man, I'm just, I'm not even in the race. Look at them. Look at them. And then I felt bad. I felt like I, I can't, you know, I can't even hardly relate. That's right. And then I grew for another 15 or 20 years. And realized I was doing better at the time than some of them were. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And didn't have enough perception and maturity to realize it. How many know you're not supposed to compare yourself anyway? If you compare yourselves among yourselves, the scripture says you're not wise. You're being foolish. Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. Be thankful for what you have. 
Come on, somebody say thankful. Be, be thankful for what you have. And be a good steward with what you It's okay. Have a vision for better. Yes. But don't, don't try to pretend. Be thankful. I know uh, when I was first uh, uh, instructor there at Raymond, happened over here some of the students, first year students that had just got there. And uh, we were, it was at a place where we were having some lunch, and I overheard them at another table. They were talking real loud. And, and uh, one of them was telling about all the stuff he had believed for and his prosperity, and, and really he was just bragging. And he had this and he had that. And and really, he he got it uh, from his business in the world before he even learned anything about trying to believe God. I mean, how many understand there's rich in the world and there's rich in God? And they are not the same. And you can add stuff to yourself. God can add it to you. And when he adds it to you, the blessing of the Lord, it makes rich. And there's no downside to it. There's, the, he adds no sorrow with it. That's right, that's right. But stuff you add to yourself can be an anchor around your neck. And you can be so glad when you get rid of it and get out from under it. But anyway, this guy just went on and on and on about all this stuff, about all this stuff, about all this stuff. And finally, this one young first-year student piped up and said, Well, okay, so what? Your pile of ashes will be bigger than mine. Your pile of ashes. Well, is it all going to melt with fervent heat? I don't care what you got. Is that right? In the end, you brought nothing into this world. And it is certain you're not going to take anything out. You never saw a hearse pulling a (laughs) U-Haul. Because there ain't no need. And you never will. And everything is down here. All the glistening riches of this world, it's all going to melt with fervent heat. Is that right? And so your pile of ashes will be three inches taller than mine. (laughs) Will anybody really care later on? (laughs) And how come us to get off on all of this? Thank you, Lord. Can you, whoa, what happened to the time? Is it afternoon? Is that right? It's afternoon. Well, for additional tapes. (laughs) 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 Uh, I do need need you to look at another verse. Will, uh, go with me. Please, in the New Testament, to Galatians, the sixth chapter. Galatians 6. If I'll take five or seven minutes and you give me five. and <laughs> Something I saw since I've been here. The Lord showed me since I've come here this, this week that I didn't see before. That's exactly what we've been talking about. Galatians 6 and 1. Galatians 6, 1 says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, considering yourself, 
lest you also be tempted. If you're, really, if you're humble and honest, you, you don't judge other people. You just don't. Because if you, if you were able to not yield to a temptation they yielded to, if you'll be honest, you know if it hadn't been for the grace of God helping you, you'd have failed just as hard or harder than them. Is that right? And all this holier-than-thou stuff about, oh, I'd never. Have you ever heard this? I've never even been tempted to do that. Exactly. What did you just get through saying? Hmm? Do you know the scripture says, the Lord won't suffer or allow you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it? What does that mean? Maybe the reason you hadn't been tempted is because the Lord knew if you had been, you'd have failed just like that. So he spared you from even being tempted. Because you couldn't handle it. So when you say I hadn't even been tempted, that's nothing to brag about. That just means you haven't proven anything. You haven't overcome anything in that area. Hadn't even been in a fight about that. (laughs) But if you have been able to stand in an area where somebody else fell and you were tempted in that area, then you know it was no picnic and you know that except that there might have been numerous times you felt weak and you almost did the same thing they did. Come on, are you listening to me? And if the Lord hadn't helped you and strengthened you, you would have. So then you're going to approach it in a spirit of meekness. Is that right? Humility and honesty. And you don't, it ain't about fixing the blame. We want to fix the problem. Right? And the judgment for all of it has already fallen on the master, on Jesus. Glory to God. And in verse 2, he said, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now, this is different from trying to put your burden on somebody else. (laughs) For if a man think himself to be something... When he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall you have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another, for every man shall bear his own burden. What I said I hadn't seen until this week was right here. If you read that in other translations, it's, it's obvious what it means, and I hadn't seen it. God's word says it like this, verse 5. Assume your own responsibility. Amen. <laughs> what does it mean, bear your, every man will bear his own burden? The new century says each person must be responsible for himself. Yes. Easy to read, translation says, verse 5, you must each accept the responsibilities that are yours. You know, I've been in the ministry for a few years now and dealt with several different situations. And give me a sinner who will talk straight with you any day over a game playing Christian. (laughs) 
Somebody look you in the eye and say, yeah, I did it. Yeah. Yeah, I did the whole deal. I know. It's bad. That's what I did. Or somebody that's going to play games and act like they didn't know and... And well, they said so, but uh, and they start trying to quote scriptures and and justify. Come on, are you listening to me? And well, and, 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 and you're not supposed to judge me. I ain't trying to judge you. I'm trying to find out what happened. <laughs> <laughs> trying to get this mess straightened up. Don't you judge me. See, you know what I'm talking about? People that are dishonest. Their heart's not right. They're being dishonest. Dishonest dishonest with God. Dishonest with himself. Dishonest with you. And you can't get free. You get stuck in a situation like that. There's been times the Lord woke me up in in the night, actually early morning. Prayed a couple hours about it. And the Lord showed me exactly what to say to somebody, the scripture, the word, if they would respond. So I talked to them. I I, I worked the conversation around to that. And they just clam up. They won't talk to me. And I try to work it back around again. Because if they will open up, we got the answer here. But if they're going to stand there and lie to you, and well, no, no, that's not it. No, that's not, uh, no, no, that didn't happen. No, no, no. And there's been times you just walk away. Had nothing got fixed. Nothing got accomplished. And they stay in darkness. And it gets worse. It'll just get worse. You cover things that are corrupt. They rot. They're putrid. They just get worse. There's only one thing to do if you want to get free. You got to open up. Come on, are you listening? You got to acknowledge it. You got to deal with it. I know it's ugly. I know it's not pretty. I know you're afraid to do it at times. But that's what we're talking about. You got to overcome that fear. I said you got to overcome that fear. And you got to trust God enough. Huh? That I'm going to put myself in the hands of the Lord. Well, what if they write me off? Well, you don't know that they will. But even if they do, the Bible said, when my mother and father forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. If you got him, you can make it. I said you can make it. And with everything clear, you can sleep at night. You can go on with your life. And who knows? They might decide to forgive you next week too. Right? In closing, go to Luke 15, please. Luke 15. Every man should bear his own responsibility. The the further I go and, and grow some, the more I see this and think like this. Let's say you go and have somebody work on your car. And they mess it up and they overcharge you. And you, you're without your car for three weeks or a month. And, and you got bills over there. And you got this over here. And it makes you so mad. And, and you're trying to do this and do that. You need to back up. Were you even supposed to take it to them? Yes. 
Hmm? Come on, are y'all with me? And why are you so mad at them? And blaming them for everything. And, and if you'd have prayed, you would have went to another shop. Amen. Missed this whole ordeal. Amen. Hmm? You know, there's people at the wrong intersection at the wrong time and get hit by somebody and get hurt yeah. and take months to get over it and everything. Yeah. You know why they were there? Because they were trying to save five cents on a gallon of gas. And we're at the wrong part. Come on, y'all listen to me. If they had prayed, they wouldn't even been in that part of town. Come on, y'all listen to me. And yet all people want to do is get mad and blame them and sue them. Come on, are you listening? When the truth is, if you'd listen to the Holy Spirit, how many think people ought to take responsibility for their own decisions? That's what this is talking about. For your own decisions. Did you, did you take a moment and ask the Lord? Did you follow him? Did you override something that was in your heart? And if that's the case, don't blame other people. You could have helped them avoid the whole thing by you being led. Hmm? Luke, did you find the place? This is the story of what we call the story of the prodigal son. And, uh, you know how that he said, Father, I want the portion of goods that comes to me. I don't want to wait till you die. Can I get it right now? He said, yeah. So he divided under them, both boys, his, the inheritance. Soon as the money hit the bank, baby boy drawed his out and went to Vegas. <laughs> and partied. <laughs> Man, the party rolled on. <laughs> they had everything. They did everything. They saw everything. And then the money ran out. And the same time the money ran out, there was an economic collapse in that part of the country. Talk about bad time. Talk about at the wrong place at the wrong time. And next thing you know, He's in such a bad shape. He, he tries to find work, anything, anything. And he finds work feeding a man's pigs, which is low for a Jewish boy. Feeding a man's pigs. And he's so hungry and things are so hard, he's standing out there by the pig trough, looking in there going, you know, that piece of cornbread don't look so bad. <laughs> I think I could dust that off. <laughs> Sin will bring you low. Is that right? It will bring you low. <laughs> In verse 16, are you there? Luke 15. <laughs> How many think you ought to stay in church? And stay out the stay out of the pig pen. Just stay in church and stay stay out of the pig pen. <laughs> he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave to him. Nobody would help him. Where's all his party buddies at now? 
You know, you know what a lot of people don't realize? I've seen people cry and go, uh, all my friends just left me. What they don't realize, they never were your friends. I lost all my friends. No, you, you never had those friends. They, ne- they weren't friends. Friends, real friends, don't show up when you don't need them. And do show up when you do need them. They don't just show up when, when you got money to spend. Keep reading. Verse 17, don't you read that first phrase? What happened to him? He had an epiphany. He had a, a, a reckoning. What happened to him? What happened to him? Everybody say it out loud. He came to himself. Heard one preacher preach it like this. He said uh, he, he, he ran out of money and then he, he sold, he pulled his jewelry off and sold that. And then he pulled his, his, his overcoat off and sold that. And then he pulled his coat off and then he pulled his shirt off and he came to himself. Maybe be kind of like Paul and his wife Silas and their little boy Timothy crying in the streets. Let me ask you a question. Before he came to himself, where was he? In order to come to yourself, where are you? You got to be somewhere else other than at yourself. He's been pretending. He's been living a fairy tale. He hadn't been living in reality. Right? And I don't know how long it's been, but who's he been blaming for his problems up until now? He hadn't been running home He kept staying out, even though everybody left him, even though the money's gone, even though he's working in the pig farm. He's still there. So you know he's unhappy about this. Who's he blaming? Maybe he was blaming the the current government for the economic downturn. Maybe he's blaming his friends for abandoning him. But when did the breakthrough came? When he came... To the real problem. Come on, when he came to the real issue. Why is he there? He's the one. I said he's the one. It's entirely his fault. That he's out here by the pig trough. Broke and deserted and lonely and a complete failure. It's entirely his fault. If you don't come to that conclusion and you don't come to yourself, you can't get free. And you can tell that's what happened because listen to what he says. He says, he came to himself and he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare? And here I am perishing with hunger. I'm starving to death. I'm going to get up and I'm going to go to my father. And I'm going to say to him, I think I lost my mind and fell under some bad influences. and I don't really know what happened. No. No. What's he going to say? What's he going to say? They said I missed it and I don't know. Maybe I did. No, no. I have 
sins. Come on, somebody try it out. I have sinned. What happened to you? I sinned. I violated light. I knew better. I knew better. Hmm? What's he saying? Daddy, you raised me better than this. I know you did. I knew better than this. I have sinned. I know people think that's too hard to do. They choke on their pride. They're afraid of what somebody's going to say or think. Oh, but friend, it's not negative. This is deliverance. This is breakthrough. Come on, are you see? This is where everything changes. When you find the courage to be real and admit, it's me. It's me. I acted a fool. I ignored you, Lord. I ignored you, my Father. I have sinned against you. And notice this. I've sinned against heaven and before you. I've sinned against God and I've sinned against you. And I'm no more worthy to be called your son. Now, this is not a negative thing. He's made us worthy, but that's what he's done for us. Based on what you've done, you don't deserve anything. Right? You, you need, and you need to approach it that way. You think, well, y'all have to forgive me. Actually, they don't. They should. Well, you have to restore me. No, they don't. They don't have to do anything. You have to take me back. No, they don't. And you certainly don't deserve it. Don't come in with that stinking stuff. Well, you have to forgive me. See, your heart ain't right. You talking like that? You hadn't changed. That ain't repentance. Well, you have to, if you, if you forgive me, you have to restore me. You have to give me everything. Listen, love and trust are two totally different things. I can love you just where you are and not trust you any further than I can throw you. I don't have to trust you. Why should I trust you? If you lie to me and lie to me, I'd be a fool to trust you. Don't mean I don't love you, but trusting you is another thing. What did he say? I'm not worthy to be called your son. You don't owe me anything. But could you? This is a request. Could you make me like one of your hired servants? Is he being honest? Is he being humble? Not blame. He's not blaming anybody, is he? Except himself. He arose and came to the father. When he was a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, and ran. And fell on his neck and kissed him. Do you think the father is still that way? If you get real with him, you get honest, you genuinely repent, and you draw nigh to him, you will get a response. He will draw nigh to you. He will come to you. And you know the story. He grabbed that boy and hugged him, pig stinking all. Didn't he? Didn't he? And he launches into his speech about father. I've sinned, I've sinned against you, I've sinned against heaven, and I'm no longer worthy. And the father said, uh-huh, but I know, I know, baby. Bring the fatted calf and kill him. And bring my $5,000 suit, you know, the one I like. Bring it in here. And bring that big ring and bring that big one. Bring it in here. And he put it on him. 
And he threw the big party. Why? Because this my boy, he was dead. He's alive again. He was gone. He was lost. And he's back. When did it turn? When did it turn? When instead of blaming everything in the world, he came to himself. And he acknowledged, I have sinned. And when he did like that and he humbled himself before God, oh, the grace of God flowed on him. And poor, do you see what happened to that boy? He was restored to full sonship rights. In the house, with the party, with the high dollar suit on and the big ring. That's the Father. Somebody say, I believe it. Thank you, Father. Stand up with me, please. Oh, bless the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for your greatness. Thank you, Lord, for your kindnesses. Love and kindnesses and tender mercies. Thank you, Lord. Close your eyes and everybody pray this out loud if you mean it, if you mean it in your heart. Close your eyes, no looking around. Pray it out loud. Forgive me, Lord. Forever blaming other people when it was my fault for not listening to you, not being led, yielding to the flesh, ignoring what you told me. That's not anybody else's fault. That's my fault. And I trust you. And I know that no matter what, you love me and you forgive me. And cleanse me and keep me and restore me. So no more lying, no more pretending, no more hiding, no more running from you. I run to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Praise God. Hallelujah.